You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, David Scales, and of course, the show is Surf Splendor. We are thrilled to have you back listening. Uh, Today, we're doing an episode of Surf News with Scott Bass for May 2nd, 2016. One thing that I forgot to mention in the show is that the Oi Rio Pro, the WSL event, is coming up next week. So if you play in our fantasy surfer poll, uh, or I'm sorry, just our fantasy surfer game, um, make sure that you get your team set. We play on fantasysurfer.com. The WSL, worldsurfleague.com, has their own version of it. And I, I personally play there, but our clubhouse regard, you know, uh, for Surf Splendor, for the listeners, is set up on fantasysurfer.com. That's actually run by Surfer Magazine. And what you do is you can set a team there. It's totally free. And then just go into um, their clubhouse section Search Surf Splendor and just click join. You can join our club. I think there's about 360 or 70 players in it right now. And then additionally, we have a wager going every um, event that you can play or not. It's not mandatory to play, obviously. But if you want to engage in that, you're welcome to. Um, All that is required is a $10 wager per event. Per division. So if you want to do $10 for the men, great. If you want to do 10 for the women, great. If you want to do both, great. Or you could just do one or the other. And we accept that payment on PayPal. You can um, log in and then click send money, click send money to friends or family, and then send the $10 to hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. And make sure in the notes to include your fantasy handle the name that you use on Fantasy Surfer. Um, that way I can correctly attribute your payment to you. And then at the end, a winner takes all. So it's only um, there's only one big winner for every event for the men and the women, and that's the way it goes. All right. All of those instructions, if you didn't get them, are on surfsplendorpodcast.com as, long, as well as every past episode of this show. There's also a comment section on each individual show page, so you can engage in this conversation that Scott and I are having. We encourage you to do that. And then all of the videos, photos, links to articles, all that stuff. Um, In this case, Dane Reynolds' compensation uh, with Quicksilver. We've got a a link to that, which Beach Grit uncovered and posted. Rory Parker over at Beach Grit. So all that stuff. You can find on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then we have an archive of all the past music um, played on Surf Splendor as well. So all of that's on. Without further ado, I will toss it to Scott Bass to introduce the show. And then I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Enjoy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass here with you, the listener. 
Yes, on Downline Surf Talk podcast this Monday, May 2nd, 2016, David. Man, I cannot believe it's already May. I looked at my phone and I saw May on it. I was like, what the heck? Sneaks up on you. Were you a fan of Prince? You know, I'm a fan or I'm very intrigued as him, by him as a human being. I, I never listened to Prince music. I just was fascinated by the fact that this five foot two effeminate dude humped his way through <laughs> all the ladies in Hollywood while all the other dudes thought that he was gay and he was slaying more chicks than anybody. Like that's, that's, that's why you admire him <laughs> and not even admire, just like fascinated by, you know? And so obviously I think aside from all the, um, showmanship, he was a phenomenal guitarist is what I understood about him. Uh, prior to his death, I was well aware of that. So, you know, just a fascinating figure. So Prince passed away, obviously, since the last time we did a show a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And um, I guess, real quick, asking you right now, on the spot, you have to choose one, Michael Jackson or Prince? Jackson, by far. I was raised on Jackson, dude. I had the one glove, I had a jacket, practiced the moonwalk. <laughs> Shut up. All, I, Are dude, you pulling my chain? No, I'm not, actually. You I'm had not, a, not, a Michael Jackson glove and yeah. the chain and you did the whole deal? Chain, no, but jacket. Yeah. Oh, jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what what is a what is a coutrements where I'm not quite um, sure, but yeah, no, I was super into it as a kid. But that was, you know, that was Thriller, Michael Jackson. That was bad. That's when those albums first came out. I was born in '81, so. Um, well, I too, like you, I'm not a big. I've never been a, a Prince person. I've never listened to his music. Never uh, purchased his music. Never sort of. I don't know, I guess bought into the whole Prince thing. I'm not sure why. Apparently he's some phenom, musical phenom, and I'm sure he is. I'm certainly not one to, to be in a position to judge his his mu- you know, his musical acumen or whatever, but I just was never drawn to it. Yeah. You know what's funny? I clicked around the internet a lot when he died and was watching videos and interviews and things like that. One of the things that I found interesting was Kevin Smith um, was doing a talk at a college, and he... He was explaining this story of him meeting Prince. He wanted to use one of Prince's songs in one of his films. So he reached out and they got back. And that whole interaction was funny enough. But he ends up out at Prince's compound to film a documentary. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And that I'll post a link to this because yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to tell all of the story. But the right. part that I found interesting was that in the end, he found out that Prince has produced numerous albums, filmed, shot, edited mastered numerous music videos like fully produced hollywood quality music videos that have never seen the light of day and will never see the light of day yeah prince just stockpiled finished product yeah that i don't know if he didn't feel like it was good enough quality to go to public or maybe he did and he just didn't think the public would get it or i don't know what but he has tons of finished albums That'll never be released. Yeah. Unless somebody takes over the estate, you know, and then. Well, somebody's definitely running the estate, so. Well, like Bowie, when he died, he died with, I think, three or four unfinished or three or four finished albums that are slated to release. Oh, cool. In future years. Oh, that's interesting. But that was part of his plan was, I want these to go on without me. Oh, that's Prince's stuff was just like, no, no, no. He wasn't planning on dying. He's just like, I'm going to stockpile this stuff. Right. I just, I need, I need to create. Right. Which I think is really interesting. Like he just was a prolific creator of art yeah not not for the sake of getting eyeballs and ears on it he just, just needed, for the sake of needed, creating. yeah that's how he sort of you know dealt with himself was through sure 
creation of producing producing that stuff. Yeah. And well, there's some bunch of as you said, you know, you scoured the internet. I look, there's some super good stuff on the internet about Prince, and the, the best one I think is. Did you see the Charlie Murphy piece on of Dave course. Chappelle? Yeah, <laughs> I saw it when it originally aired on the Chappelle yeah. Show back in the day. Well, if if you the listener hasn't seen it, you got to just Google Charlie Murphy talks about the time he played basketball against <laughs> Prince and the Revolution. And the revolution. It is so funny. Dave Chappelle and Charlie Murphy, those little Charlie Murphy moments. That yeah. Charlie Murphy, they're the best ever. Eddie man. Murphy's brother. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the funniest thing to me about that is they go back, get back from the club. Well, wait, set it up. So let's okay. switch her a little. So Charlie Murphy and Eddie Murphy at a nightclub. Prince rolls up. They're like, oh, Prince is here. Prince like strolls up to Eddie Murphy and goes, I like your comedy. You know, he's like straight face, just deadpans. He doesn't show any emotion. Eddie Murphy's like, oh, okay, wow. Let's go to my place and, and listen, listen to, to music. music. Yeah, listen to Prince music. So they go back to Prince's house. They're Paisley pr- Park, I think is what it's Apparently, called. Apparently... Eddie and Charlie and his crew, and they're just like having fun partying L.A. types. And Prince is like, I'm bored. Let's play hoops. (laughs) And and Charlie Murphy just starts busting up laughing like, dude, I'm going to slaughter you on the basketball court. Yeah. And here's because Prince is literally 5'2". But here's the funny part about that to me was like Prince's entourage – give charlie murphy and his crew shorts and and sneakers and that sort of thing and they go out and they wait on the court for prince they're warming up warming up prince and the revolution walk out wearing exactly what they wore to the club so <laughs> prince has his pirate outfit on with yeah. like the frilly yeah he thing, looks like wearing the, uh, high heels he looks like will ferrell in that skate sk- ice skating movie blades of glory totally or, he's got the full ice skating outfit or johnny depp and pirates you know right. like almost and and high heels, frills, high heels, yeah. on a basketball court, and he ends up schooling, schooling Eddie Murphy, Murphy and Charlie clan. Murphy, and the yeah. whole crew, and which was true. Like Prince was a very good basketball. He played in high player, school, apparently. apparently. Yeah. yeah, and then um, well, the other story that I heard this morning on Howard Stern was apparently he's a great ping pong player too. So he wow. calls up Jimmy Fallon's guy and goes, "Tell Jimmy to meet me at midnight." Susan Sarandon has some. High-end ping-pong thing in Manhattan. Meet me at Susan Sarandon's ping-pong club at midnight. And Jimmy Fallon's like, what? Okay, I guess so. So he rolls up at midnight, and the place is closed, but there's one table, and it's got like a skirt, a bunting around it, you know, like a frilly skirt, like a la Prince, probably purple. And Prince is there, and he's in his full garb. He's in the ice skating outfit, you know, the Zorro thing going, right? Frills, high heels. And he ends up schooling... Jimmy Fallon in ping pong. Apparently, he's a great ping pong player as well. But what he does on the last shot, the, the final shot to score to, to win the game, he hits one of these shots, that, and the ball, the ping pong ball just sort of skirts over the very edge of the table, just nicks it, okay. and goes flying out of bounds, right? So Jimmy Fallon goes scurrying off to grab the ball. When he gets, when he comes up, Prince is just gone. Just, <laughs> Prince just, just disappears. Disappeared. Just smokes him and disappears, doesn't say a word. That is amazing. <laughs> well, my favorite thing about the Charlie Murphy one on the Chappelle show was it turns out to be a true story. One of the things I clicked on was Prince being interviewed by a radio DJ, and the radio DJ is like, hey, man, did you ever see that Chappelle show skit? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I thought it was funny. And the DJ goes, well, is it true? How much of that is true? And Prince is like, well, it's all true. Like, that happened. And he's yeah. like, did you make them pancakes afterwards? Because that was yeah, that the, was the part. That yeah. was the punchline of the right. skit. Was pancakes. Like, After he schooled us in basketball, he took us inside and made us pancakes. <laughs> well, 
the DJ asks him that, and Prince is like, yeah. He's like, I didn't make them personally, but like we made pan- – like my staff made pancakes, and we ate pancakes together. Yeah. So it's brilliant. That's, that's so true, funny. you know? Because the, the, the Chappelle Show thing seems like there was some liberties taken probably with the story and, and embellishments, but – Prince verified it as fact. Well, part of the beauty of the Chappelle thing, and it's called Charlie Murphy's Real Hollywood Stories, and he does a bunch of these, yeah. right? And the thing is, is that Charlie Murphy comes off so sincere. You don't get the sense that he's lying. Like right. he's, he's Eddie or Dave Chappelle basically goes, Charlie, you've got such great stories. We have to film these. And he goes, mm-hmm. okay. And they literally just film him shooting, telling these stories, mm-hmm. right? And he comes off very sincere. It doesn't seem like he's lying. He's like, this is what happened, man. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And Charlie Murphy's a great storyteller. Right? Yeah. Have you seen the one with Rick James? Yep. That's maybe the best one ever. Yeah. I'm Rick James, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway, enough about Prince. This is a surf talk show, right? I will say real yes. quickly. Yeah, please. Uh, I moved. I've, been, I've gone back. Since Prince died, it made me think about David Bowie dying. And yeah. so I went back and started listening to that Black Star album that he released a week yeah. or two before he died. Because yeah, I listened to it when it first came out. And then when he died, I listened to it a bit. But it never really stuck with me. Yeah. I liked it, but it wasn't like – didn't go into my rotation. Is it dark? It's very dark. Yeah. But, man, I'm not kidding. I've been listening to it the last week or so. I freaking Are you okay? love it. Are you dude. depressed right now? No, what? I'm you... in love with it. I'm, like, inspired. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, I'm maybe like I should listen. Speaking to me from the grave, honestly. Right. Wow. It's amazing. You know, and, that, that's, and cool. that's what that album was. Like, there was a lot of um, force, foreshadowing of his death in the album. Like, oh, wow. The opening track is called Black Star. It's about him being a black star in the universe mm. looking down and I'm not a celebrity, blah, blah, blah. And then the final track on the album is Lazarus about rising from the dead. Oh. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really Sounds interesting. Sounds like an Iron Maiden album. It's, it's really good. Lazarus. Yeah. All right. So, all right. That's enough of me. I'm going to check that out. So, dude, out what's up in surfing, buddy? A lot is going on. Um, Waves think- have been fun around here. Yeah, have, you, just, have you been getting some in San Diego? Yeah, probably not as good as up here, but there's okay. been plenty of south swell in the water and, yeah. and windy. It's probably cleaner up here, too. We, we, get we didn't get a south eddy. We had like a week without much wind, and then this past week there's been a little wind, but it's still been fun, like three to four feet, peaky, super fun everywhere. So yeah, had my fill. Um, first thing on my docket here, Dave, is – Dane Reynolds and the legal action that was wow. brought up on Stab Magazine and then on Beach Grit, right? Everywhere, yeah. yeah. And Reuters um, covered it. Yeah. The hard-hitting, the inertia covered it. <laughs> and the even harder-hitting down-the-line surf pod with David and Scott covering it. One week late to the news, as usual. Yeah, but one week early with the great opinions. Oh, okay. I don't awesome. know. Did that make sense? I just sure. made that up. So, um, I don't know. Maybe can you set it up a little bit um, as far as what it was? I mean, these news... These news okay. outlets basically said, hey, Dane, like a lot of other people, um, filed a, a creditor action against Quicksilver. By the way, Let, I mean, a lot of people did that. I mean, okay, I well, could have done that. I lost money with Quicksilver. Well, the story that was reported initially, which to me is the real story. Um, me, me saying the real story is how the media confuses the story. That's the story to me, you know, because it was reported differently everywhere. But ultimately, the first thing that hit was headline, Dane Reynolds sues Quicksilver for $3.4 million or 3.6. Right. Was that a Reuters headline or was that no. Beach Grit's headline? Uh, it was Beach Grit posted that, but I feel like I saw it elsewhere too. Right. The Inertia, I Maybe think, Maybe it was Stab that. or something. Stab. We don't know. Look at no, this. Well, yeah. Stab posted the follow-up story a few hours later saying, no, he's not suing Quicksilver. So that became the story is like, 
is he suing or isn't he? And then they had they had reached Stab had reached out to Dane and said, uh, no, this is all confusion. Like my agent Blair texted me and said, hey, man, are you engaged in a lawsuit with Quicksilver? And I was like, no, dude, I don't know who reported that. But that was incorrect. Well, what it is, is it's not a lawsuit. It's a legal claim that all creditors can make against a company that's going into bankruptcy. Right. And. So I've done a lot of freelance work for Quicksilver for a number of years. I haven't for the last couple, but when this when they filed the bankruptcy motion, I got letters in the mail saying, "Hey, as one of the yeah. suppliers or providers or whatever." Yeah, I get them too. I yeah. got them because I own stock. Yeah, okay. Every, so everyone gets them. You can file thousands a, of people. Yeah, do they owe you money? You can file a claim. Right. This is the process for doing it. And Truthfully, Quicksilver always paid me on time, so they don't owe me anything, you know, and that was a long time ago. So I just, but I get those documents and I just read them to make sure they don't apply to me and then move on. So, and that's what this is. This was a legal claim, right? Um, But I think, see, I think the bigger story is the one that Rory Parker put out there in, in Beach Grit, which is, and the one that Scott Bannister, one of our listeners, sent us an email on, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of fascinating, I thought, Mm -hmm. which was the, which was the sort of, to me, it harkens back to a theme of yours, which is professionalism in surfing, in the surf industry, I should say, right? And so, lack thereof. Lack thereof in this case, right? Yeah. Because there's this um, Mickey Picone, right, who's, yeah. a, who's a professional surfer still, probably on some level. He probably surfs in European QS events and tries to qualify or whatever, yeah. right? But he's rolled into like a marketing slash team manager role in France for Quick Europe. Right, and... and and the letter that they posted on Beach Grit is the letter that Mickey Picone sent to Blair Marlin, who's Dane Reynolds and many others. Dane Reynolds' agent. Right. And by the way, Rory Parker, who's been doing this reporting on Beach Grit, is a contributing you know, per, uh, writer on Beach Grit whose wife happens to be an attorney. Rory lives in Kauai. But because of his wife's you know, career and profession, he's able to get access to these things a little bit easier and knows the ins and outs of how to access this stuff. And that's where this is all coming from. So Mickey Picon, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah, you are. Um, the correspondence is, it's amusing, really. It, to me, it's amusing, you know, because it, it, the unprofessionalism, right? The lack of negotiating experience that's inherent in the letter, the general lack of tact, which I find kind of amusing mm-hmm. that in this day and age, um, you know, a marketing guy from a multinational corporation such as Quicksilver, a, a team manager, a guy in a position of, of this type of power to be in a negotiating um, scenario with arguably the highest level athlete slash ambassador that that company has. And, and then to write this letter. Negotiating multi-million dollar contract. Yeah. In such a, in such a horrid, unprofessional f- fashion, right? I wrought mean, with grammatical error. Wrought with grammatical error. Right. Thank yeah. you. So in this in this email that you're talking about, this communication is Mickey Picone emailing Blair Marlin to renegotiate Dane's contract. That's what you're referring to. It goes like this: Hi, Blair. I hope you are well. I tried to move as quick as possible for the benefits of everyone here. I think that's code for the waves are good. <laughs> I don't I don't want to write this email. Then Mickey goes on. Again, a letter to Blair Marlin, Dane's agent. We put in place that offer for Dane for the next five years. As I already mentioned, 
we really want to give our best offer straight ahead and not trying to play any games. In the respect of Dane, we put one strong offer and you guys give us an answer. You can shop around and see what you guys will decide. This offer is still strong for the market. And after all those years in the team, I hope he will take the right decision to stay with us. We will let the totally freedom to Dane to be Dane, shoot, surf, all the things he liked to do. We will support any project for the coming five years. We will have the budget on the side for that. I really hope you will take in consideration all the past and looking to end Dane's career with us. We are very loyal to all our ambassador. Today, Tom, Mark, all those legends are still under contract with us. Dane will be the same. He is our ambassador and part of the family. If he think that Pierre doesn't like him, he is totally wrong. He is just waiting to build that relationship. We all love Dane. We want Dane to stay and everyone to work with him. So hopefully he will continue. It goes on and I can read more and we maybe we will. But it's interesting. That part of it is just it's just I guess what Scott Bannister sent was really a pretty good analogy. Like you wouldn't see the guys at Nike, the main guys, the, the guys, the lawyers in charge of negotiating a contract with LeBron James, sending something like this to the agent of LeBron James. This would be something that would be combed through, vetted, thought through each and every word and how it relates to the negotiation stance that we're going to take. And this is just like, oh, my God, the waves are quick. I was supposed to do this last week. The waves are good. I was supposed to do this last week. I better just jam this letter out real quick to Blair before the wind comes up. I mean, that's the way this this email reads to me, that he's just like, his boss went, hey, did you send that thing yet? And he went, oh, yeah, that's right. And he just like jammed it out. Yeah, well, to be honest, um, that's speculation that the waves are good. And I'm, that's what the show is. is you, all, you know, but... I mean, I, if, I, he, if he didn't, if he spent time on this, that even, that speaks... Well, that's my point, though, is that... Let's be honest, the entire industry kind of runs this way, where exactly. maybe the waves aren't good at this moment, but amazing. everything's done with this mentality of just like work is a second priority. And unfortunately, I think the industry is slow moving because of it. Like, you know, there would never be the advancements in our industry that there is in the tech industry, for example, because this is how things are run. And so we're picking Mickey apart right here. And by the side yeah, note, I'm not trying to beat note, up on Mickey. Well, side note, French is his first language. English is maybe a That's second no or third excuse, or fourth language. Right? That, well, it isn't, but we need to state that. Yeah, no, you're right. It's This is definitely not his first language, but that's the point, right? Is that a letter of negotiation yeah. to an agent should be combed through by three or four different people before right. pushing send. Right. And I'm not, again, I want to make it clear. I'm not here to pick on Mickey. What I'm saying is that this is an example of the overarching yeah. theme that we touch on, which is totally. I can't believe this still happened. I could, I can see this happening if it was, you know, I don't know, lost surfboards or or some small company where they're just kind of like running on fumes, you know. Right. But this is Quicksilver. This know, is a I multinational know. corporation, right? Like it, it's just it's kind of mind blowing. No, right? it really is. But I, I, in a way, you know. On one side, I begrudge it a little bit. On the other side, I'm like, that's what makes the surf industry semi-charming Yeah, in a weird way. You know, you and I, I mean, it would be kind of sad if we if it was just all super corporate. And, and Yeah, it would be, but let's get real. You run a business. I've run businesses. That's not how businesses it, you, are run. If you ran it this way, you'd run it into the ground. And, yeah. oh, guess what happened? Oh, that, you know oh my I, God. That sound you hear? That's Quicksilver <laughs> crashing. Yeah. So it's not really a surprise, but 
Um, so what's the story here for you? Um, the story so Dane, for me is, isn't really the Dane thing at all. It's, yeah, to I me, agree. it's the letter. To me, it's the way that Quicksilver, the, the fact that a Quicksilver, um, higher up, somebody in charge of negotiating a multi-million dollar contract would write an email like this. It just blows me away. And again, it's not on Mickey. It's, does, aren't there anyone that's going, Hey, before you send that email, let's look through it. So we make sure that we're doing the right thing here. Yeah. You know, but instead somebody went, Mickey, send him an email, tell him this is the deal. By the way, the waves are good. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm making up the waves are good, sure. but it just, it reeks of like haste. Well, let me ask you this. Something that I haven't really been able to get to the bottom of is, um, was Dane not paid for? I'm not sure. I think. Do they owe him the $3.4 million that... I don't think so because I think this all happened before they went bankrupt. And now that they're bankrupt, they're like, yeah, get in line. And if there's money at the end of okay. of the bankruptcy policy, you know, process, we'll give you whatever. You know how, how that works? Like claimants line up. And I think it's yeah. based on who's owed the most or sure. who gets in line first. And they start and they look at, okay, after... After we're in bankruptcy, this is how, and we sell off all our assets. This is how much net cash we have, liquid cash. Based on this amount of liquid cash, let's say it's a million dollars, and we owe 30 million to 30 different claimants. Well, let's try to divvy it up. You're each going to get a third of, sure. of the million. So, so he's not, if he, but, I, but did they or didn't they pay him? Like, was he left without paychecks on certain pay periods, you know, or what? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I think the, Rory's going to post part two on the beach grid. It's already up. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's already up. And on part two, it shows um, his compensation, actually. It's a lot. 300000 a month? Yeah. Yeah. It totaled uh, $474,700,000 over the course of a couple of years. Um but, wow, that's so, mind blowing. That's like well, so, set for life type money if you totally, if you use it right. Totally. So what? One thing that I did read um, to answer kind of my own question that I was just asking you was he walked out. Dane walked away from his contract, I think, before it was finished, and didn't negotiate with Quick to buy him out. Like they were going into bankruptcy. He still had time left on his contract and he opted to just walk away from it. And so this email exchange is in regard to the termination of his contract. So one thing that you could do as the person who has the contract is just say, hey, you guys are going bankrupt. I want out of this. You're going to owe me a million bucks over the course of the next 12 months or whatever. How about you just give me 500,000? I'll walk away right now. Well, Dane didn't ask for that payout. He just instigated the termination, signed on the dotted line, and walked away. So I'm not sure if this claim that we're discussing is in regard to the amount of money they would have owed him through the end of his contract that he signed away or not. But it seems to me like he got paid appropriately when he was still under contract. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything written about like, Oh yeah, my checks bounced for the last two years or something like that. Yeah, and and I don't know. We, we don't know no, really no, what's no. happening, but I get the sense based on not knowing Dane Reynolds at all, but just his public persona that he was like, "I'm over Quicksilver Blair. Just I just want to walk away. I'm making plenty of money. Just let's not. I don't need the hassle." Yeah, totally. Um, by the way, I'm going to sign with Vance for even more. I'm, I mean, if he's making four million from Quick, how much is he making from Vance? I heard he was making two hundred k a year from Vance. That's so it. Not nearly as much, but Vance isn't his title sponsor. Right, Vance, but that's he's always change. Been, he's only no. I don't think it will. Oh yeah. He's always been with Vance. Vance doesn't want Dane to be their main guy. 
I'm sure they want him to. I don't think well, Dan he wants with? to. He's who's with Dan nobody. With? He's developing a clothing company called Destroyer. With, oh, my God. With That's Ando, Craig Ando, and I think Dylan, is his name Dylan Reeder or Dylan Ryder, the skateboarder? I don't know. So um, That sounds like a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. cash in on a company that's just loaded like VF Corp. That's what he's been doing. Yeah, but know? 200 grand's not. I mean, I would sign a deal where it's like, I'll do your shoes. I'm developing clothes myself, so I can't do that. But yeah. here's, I want this for shoes. You know, get, get me a couple million a year for shoes. I'll do whatever you need. And you need to back the fact that I'm doing a clothing line. And oh, by the way, if we ever, you know. But that's what he tried to do with Quicksilver with Summer Teeth. And it didn't pan out. But he cashed the millions of dollars of checks over that course of time. So he did exactly what you're talking about. And now he's at a point where he's like Kelly, where it's just like, well, I've done that. And now I'm set. And now I want to do this. Maybe if he's got enough. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I always look at it like, dude, if you've got an easy check to cash, why not just cash it and do that thing? Why just do that thing? Why just do Destroyer? Well, you're sneezing at the 200K he's getting from... Vans. He's doing what you're saying. He's taking 200k. I am out of sneezing vans. at that. I'm saying you could do 10 times that. You should be and getting 10 million. And he's already done I mean, that. two million. That's what he did for the last four years with Quick. And now he transitioned out of this. He wants to do a passion project, but he could live on the 200. So if you're his agent, you're saying you're good with the 200 grand. Don't worry. let's not go to Vans for more now that Quick's over. Well, I mean, why not just be totally Vans? Just be all Vans, and then have this thing developed on the side. When it develops, you can just. Well, nip, nip the Vans deal in the bud. Let's get real. He's not going to get paid the same amount that he was before because he's not at the height of his powers. So he's going to take a That's lesser. True. He's going to take a lesser amount. I, I said and that. What, I said lesser amount. I said. Well, what? He's, make it. How about a million? But what he's banking on is I'm going to make ten million on Destroyer. He can still do that. There's. It's not either or. Yeah. I'm saying, go renegotiate with Vans. Get a million. Create Destroyer. Yeah. Because Destroyer is going to cost him money, you know? No. Well, it will, but he'll bring on investors. I mean, I don't know how much Maybe. he would put in on, on his own. But at any rate, um, it's all interesting. We always love discussing the business side. I mean, you got th- two surfers and a skateboarder trying to run a business. <laughs> I don't know. Dude. But they're not necessarily running the business. <laughs> they're the, they they're are, the figureheads behind it? Well, not even. They're just the faces in front of it. You know, like those are Is it their super creative vision? guys. Yeah, they're super influential guys. Is it going to be like crayons on a surfboard? I'm of? afraid that it is. And, they're, <laughs> oh and the, the thing is. That's what I'm saying. Go get a million from vans if you're gonna do crayons on a skateboard uh, you gotta you gotta realize i'm on your side here i'm taking i know you are I, i'm explaining to you i'm what on no one's side by the way i'm taking explaining to you what dane's side is right. but I, i'm a very conservative person anyway so i, I would are. i would go on your side of the i would recommend do you still have the michael jackson glove because it could be worse than money <laughs> <laughs> um when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So interestingly, I, I mean, this business discussion is always interesting to us, and we discuss it a lot on the show. Um, I think that Dane might be overplaying his hand in terms of what his influence is, and same with Craig Anderson. I agree. I think they're kind of on the downside of their career. And it's interesting that Mickey wrote that in the email, which was. We want to yeah, be will. involved through the end of Dane's career. I know. When I saw the that. end of Dane's career. I know. When I saw that, I went, oh, my God. I can't believe he wrote that sentence in this in this negotiation. I know. That is incredible. Yeah. He basically put him in there with Tom Carroll and Mark Richards. He's like. Exactly. We'll have Tom, Mark, and Dane. Right. Right. Through the end of his career. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Scott Bannister, one of our listeners, wrote wrote a really good email basically saying, Matt Banting? Like Quicksilver? That's who Quicksilver thinks is selling product, Matt Banning. Not in the USA. Right. But is Quicksilver selling any product to any teenager in the USA? I doubt it. Yeah. Not at the moment. Yeah. Interesting. Well, for me, the story here was also... I'd love to know... I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Was just the reporting of it. You know, like, not only was it misreported, which it happens, and I'm sure we've misreported stuff, but... (laughs) That's all we do is (laughs) misreport. You mean the commentary on Beach Grit? No. Well... What I appreciated was Beach Grit misreporting, following up, digging in and actually doing investigative journalism, posting multiple stories, never deleting the first one that was incorrect, just keeping the dialogue going and letting people know with each check-in. Because Stab posted one story about it, never again. And all the other outlets, as far as I could tell misreported it and then never came back to it. So we that's the model that we've always seen in surfing, which isn't very – it's not investigative journalism and it's not even really journalism. It's just commenting on something, not doing any research, oftentimes recycling information. It's what we do. It kind of is. <laughs> but ours is entertainment. Ours is speci- – I mean, We are here to entertain, to, so, engage, entertain. Arguably, that's what Surfer Mag and Surfing Mag are agree. here to do as well. They're not you want, reporting – they're not trying to, to be the journalists. Wall Street Journal. Yeah, if you want that. But that's also my complaint because we often reference the Andy Irons death and these other stories or even Quicksilver's bankruptcy. Like we get the best information about that from Bloomberg or from Reuters. We don't get it from the surf industry. Right. So that to me is the story here is that people lob one initial grenade out there and just be like, hey, here's this Dane suing Quicksilver and then walk away and never comment on it again. And ultimately it fizzles and the Internet leaves a few comments in the comment section and then moves on to the next thing. This is an instant where Beach Grit did that and then picked up all the shrapnel, tried to make sense of it, dug in deeper, figured out a storyline and worked their way through it. And I was glad to see that. 
You know, it's funny. I, the Washington uh, Correspondents' Dinner with President Obama was l- this weekend. And, you know, they often talk at that dinner about how investigative journalism and journalism is a tenet of a democracy. You know, you have to have people searching for the truth, right? And in our age now, you know, the last 10 years of the Internet blooming, the last 20 years, I guess you could say, um, there's just so much. There's not as much of that because print has more or less died. Mm-hmm. There's still a few outlets that are great. Um, but the internet itself and our generation, millennials, I guess you could say, are just so give me a little bit of information. I'll digest it and then move on. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to investigate. And I wonder what, how that speaks to, um, if that is a tenant of our democracy, what does that say about that tenant of our democracy and our democracy in general? If there's just not a lot of really good investigative journalism. And the people don't seem to mind. They prefer the entertainment. That's the bigger, yeah, yeah. That's the bigger part of what I'm trying to say. Is like it's like okay, whatever. Well, spoon feed me your news, and I'm moving on. Saturday night, I was hanging out with a friend who just got back from um, the Netherlands, and he was talking about uh, there. The the local people there were asking him all about Donald Trump and like the presidential race and all this stuff, and we were commenting on Europeans have a better gauge on our political. Um, news than we do and we were and so somebody's like well yeah it's because they're more astute and smarter and i'm like that's not what it is at all it's just that their media outlets are more newsworthy (laughs) our media outlets aren't interested in delivering the news you know that's the only difference there's an angle yeah constant angle yeah they get but they've all got angles right i mean that's just the nature of the beast yeah even even something like pbs which you think would be and is probably as objective as you can get, yeah. you know, they're going to have, you know, there's going to be an executive director that wants you to push this story rather than that story and so yeah. forth and so on. Well, um, I got some WSL talk if you want. The Rio Pro starts uh, May 10th, which is about a week away from now. And um, geez, Louise, I mean, not an exciting event. The waves are always crappy. It's pandemonium. Um, there was... Uh, they're building a footbridge this year. Did you see this? I didn't see it. I've, oh, okay. The Rio thing's just not on my radar right now. Well, fill me in. Well, you know, I mean, it's dangerous because it's so Zika. It's pandemonium. Well, not only that, dangerous in terms of fans. They're rabid fans, first of all, pan- fans that have more passion than any other stop on tour. And the beach. You mean they're uncivilized? <laughs> Is I'm that, not saying that, that. I'm just that's saying the term you really want to say. Yeah. That's so they, the, there's a gray line right there, right between passionate and uncivilized. It's like it's easy to cross the line. It is, and there's definitely some uncivilized behavior. And last year was the most crowded it had ever been because they have a Brazilian world champ now. You know, two of them actually. And uh, John John Florence is talking about like he couldn't even leave his hotel room. There's girls screaming on the street below you know and it's just straight pandemonium so this year they're building a footbridge from the competitors area i don't know the height but i saw a photo it looked 10 from feet. the beach to the competitors area no no no. yes from the competitors area to, to the, the water's water. edge oh yes. my god so they just walk on this catwalk over all of the fans people and throw go straight stuff at them. them people can throw stuff at them i mean i, I have a feeling people are going to climb the thing or shake tear it, it down tear it down i mean That'll be insane. It's going to be insane, but I'm I'm I think it's a great, Now we have a reason to watch. I think it's a great solution that the WSL is implementing. I think it's a simple solution, yeah. but it reminds it's me scaffolding basically. And it could be torn down maybe. Sure. But <laughs> but it, what are but, the odds who's going to get like <laughs> Here's here's what it reminds me of though. Is yeah. just how 
in Rio especially, I feel like we're always patching potential disasters, right. you know, and right. and like, hey, the water quality is horrific. Well, what can we do to adjust for that? Hey, um, the waves are terrible. What can we do? And they're... They're going to be spraying for mosquitoes. <laughs> They've got a footbridge with like mist that's going to come out for the Zika thing. Remember like six months ago, there was some big sewage spill and Mick Fanning and some other competitors said, we will not go to that event in six months from now because there's diarrhea in the water, literally, you know, like some floaters. It's crazy. So I feel like Rio, what does it have to offer us at this point? And one, one part of me likes the pandemonium of like fans really getting into it, like the surfers are the Bro. Beatles. Yeah. But I do feel like how many times do you want to just put a patch on this festering, you know, wound <laughs> and try to salvage it? Because it kind of if you're building that catwalk, that indicates to me that your things are out of control. Patchwork. Things are not safe for the competitors and things are out of control. I it's it's And it's not like they're paddling out into perfect surf. They're paddling out into sloppy beach break. Look, that market is perhaps the most important market in the world to the WSL and to the future of pro surfing, the South American market. It, it, it potentially is. And it isn't. I think right it already now. is. I think that. You think I think so? Well, I think, I think um, fostering that market and nurturing yes, that market is. But it currently isn't. But it, it, I don't fostering know. it is. For I, sure. I'm not sure if it is. I don't know what the numbers are, but um, it's. I guess the point is. Whether it is or it isn't, we all agree that it's something that they want to nurture and make larger and, and tap into and capitalize on. And so they're willing to throw patchwork on it to keep it in this, um, you know, the Manhattan of, of Brazil. That's yeah. really, that's the New York City of Brazil right. right there. And so, and I bring this up because I would just, if it was up to me and I was, I always err on the side of the surfers and the fans. Move that thing to that. On the other side, that that island, that island. What is it? Fernando de Nahorno or something. Naranja. Um, yeah, yeah something. whatever. I just Naranja. I just said orange. <laughs> Muchas fresas. Narona or something. I Manzanitas, naranjas y fresas. The Fernando. Muchas frutas, por favor. The Fernando Day Island. Yeah, Let's where they have that QS. Yeah, that's where they need to have this event. Now they're going to lose all of that whole New York vibe, and but I think they, with the proper broadcast. You could still have that like Manhattan, Times Square, big screen experience for the fans in Rio. And you could probably build something around that, like a surfboard expo, for instance. Thank you. Go ahead, call me. I'll do my surfboard expo there. We'll call it the WSL Surf Expo. And you can watch live the event on a, on 17 multi-large screens with, you know, yeah. we could do something really cool there and engage the audience there while having the event somewhere worthy. Totally. I agree. That'd God, be, I'm that full of be, good ideas. That would be the solution. We need to have our listeners sign a non-disclosure so that they don't rip all our ideas. They're going to rip them all and, you know, whatever. That's What, what are you going to do? Call us. Well, oh, by I, the way, so they sent out a, a news about the QS in Cabo. Okay. The WSL is doing a QS in Cabo. Just real quick. And they're like, Chris Coquet is going to be commentating, blah, blah, blah. And I sent the guy immediately. I sent the guy an email. I forget his name right now, but he's a cool guy. It wasn't Dave Proden, but I'm like, hey, I want to join Chris in the commentary booth. I'm ready to do this. Yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself, cool, I'll go down there. I'll get my feet wet with some QSs, and maybe I'll grow into being one of the commentators. Sure. And the guy got right back to me. He's like, hey, great idea. Wow. <laughs> but but that's where it's ended. Oh, okay. But uh, 
He's like, hey, Chris isn't even doing it this year for whatever. You know, Chris has scheduling conflicts. But there's this other guy down in Cabo who's running the thing. You need to reach out to him. And um, at that point, that's where it kind of ended. Yeah. Funny. But um, anyway, I'm well, throwing my hat in the ring as a commentator. Let it be known. Because I give those guys so much grief that yeah. uh, they would love to put me in there and grill me. Man, I can't By wait. the way, Scott Bannister is really anti-Martin Potter. He's just I know, I over Martin too. Potter. Well, a lot of people and He are. wants us to comment. We've been pretty kind to Potter, but to be honest, I've kind of feel similarly to Scott. I, the thing Scott is, Bannister, not to Scott Bannister. Bass. Because I, the thing is, I'm not... I got to give Potter respect. I know. The I guy's a world champion. I know. That's like, I'm the not way I really going to call him out. And I don't think he's that bad relative to other people. I think there's there's other issues there that need to be resolved before we would resolve that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't think he's that bad. I just think, you know what? Eight to 10 hours. If somebody bothers you for whatever reason, you know, the, the phonetics or the semantics or the syntax of the delivery of the broadcast or whatever it is, you're bothered. If you listen to that for eight hours, yeah, it's going to wear on you. Totally. You know? So the WQS or uh, WSL also held a QS 1000 event at Lance's right. In Not Fl- the syntax. You, you don't yeah, comment on syntax. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Full of QS 1000 at Lance's right in Flawless Head High Surf. Did you see yes, this event? I did see that. I mean, I watched this. Have you surfed Lance's right? A bunch of times. How good is it? Super good. So, Super easy. So flawless. So Probably that was the easiest that was wave. My thought. I watched that and I'm like, okay, these QSers are surfing flawless head high barreling rights while the CTers are going to Rio next week. And then I thought about it again and I go, you know what? I don't even want to see the CTers out at Lance's right either. because it's too freaking perfect and it's too easy. They're gonna get so shacked, come out and do a cutback and kick out. And how many of that? How many of those do you need to see? I'm watching these QSers do it, and I'm already kind of bored. Well, there's a good air section there, well, though, too. Which is where Jeremy, I think, smashed his face into the reef and went unconscious. Oh, Jeremy like Flores? Years, yeah, like a year or two ago. On the surgeon's that? table. There's yeah. this thing called the surgeon's yeah. table there. He tried to do an air reverse and landed face first on dry reef. Rad. Got hellevacked. Anyway. No, or, I didn't know that. So anyway... My point is, when I when I saw that, I thought about it, and I go, you know what? What I do enjoy is seeing our C-tiers in challenging surf. Sometimes it's Bell's Beach, challenging, but not really that exciting. But sometimes it's Chopu, where it's like super exciting and definitely challenging. Um, Rio is challenging, but because it's crappy, you know? And so yeah. it's like Lance's right is too perfect, and I don't really want to see that. Rio, too imperfect, don't want to see that. But the com- the, what we want isn't perfect surf for our, our competitors. We want challenging surf. That's really the ultimate criteria. Pipeline is freaking challenging. Challenging. That's, that's, that's what we That's want. what crystallized in you after thinking After about. watching that. Lance's yeah. right thing, you know. It's a, and that's a wave, too, that if it's not perfect, you don't even surf it. Like, right. as soon as it goes onshore, it's just, it's over. Yeah. It's got to be offshore. Yeah. Well, too perfect of a wave. That leads us to this. Did you get your text from Kelly inviting you to the I'll, wave pool? Yep, I'll be there, dude. I'm I got mine. I got my invite um, myself and a bunch of other A-listers. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to ride my wave storm there. Dave and I didn't. We weren't invited. We haven't received our invite from Kelly, but that's Still the news, you, right? Kelly. Kelly Slater has invited a bunch of people to surf his wave pool, the Harris Ranch Rights, as I like to call it. Does he know that that's what it's called? He does now. Okay. Harris oh, Ranch because he Rights. listens to this. That's right. Harris Ranch Rights. It's a great name for it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Kelly's organized three different pool days. Um, looks like it's going to be him and John John and some of the CT guys. 
Then there's a day, I think, with Carissa and Steph and some girls. And then I think well, there's... specifically him and John John on one day. Oh, the just ne- those two? That's what I read. Uh-huh. And then the next day, or the second meeting, will be him, Carissa, and Stephanie. Right. And the third will be... The Momentum Era Bros. Yeah, that's what I want to be there for. Jason Weatherly. Uh, all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you named the no, least, I was, no, the I least was thinking, known out of all I was of them. thinking Kalani Rob. Yeah. Rob Machado. Name them all, dude. Oh, God. Uh, Pat O'Connell? See one I, of them? I would think so. Um, probably Chris Malloy and Keith Malloy. Definitely. Maybe not Dan Malloy. I don't know if he was in that momentum era. Um, Ross Williams. Yep. Uh, Shane. Todd, rip, rest in peace, Todd Chesser might have been. He was the godfather. Shane Dorian. Shane will be there. Ben Weatherly. Benji, Jason. Uh, Greg Browning. Definitely. Oh, was he, was he one? All right. Totally. Well, Anyway, those that crew of guys yeah. are going to be Justin Poston. Oh, there's a name, San Diego name. That's cool. Well, those guys are stoked, right? Yeah, and we're sure. bummed that we didn't get invited, but I understand. I'm yeah. a D-lister at best. Well, they talk about um, so Kelly wants the email that or the email, the text message that he sent. Apparently, said, "quote Would you like to join me in Fresno to surf and test my new wave pool?" End quote or unquote and. Um, so I think that's interesting. He wants to get feedback, obviously, from some of the better surfers in the world. Uh, there's rumors that there will be an event there in August of this year, and then potentially, uh, like QS. What does that mean? That Stab reported that there was going to be an event in August. Does that they mean a QS event? No, they didn't say. What does it, that mean? An it event? Just, it just said a low-profile event. So it doesn't even mean that it's a contest. It just means something, you know. Well, I know what that event is. What? I have um, been talking with Kelly a little bit on the side. I've come up with perhaps the greatest marketing maneuver (laughs) in the history of marketing maneuvers. Can't wait for this dad joke coming down the pipeline. This is what's going to happen. Okay. From now until the end of July, when you buy a Firewire surfboard, there's going to be a golden ticket attached to it. This is going to be called... Kelly Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Much like Willy Wonka. Because the, Everybody color, of, because w- the color of the water. Exactly. Chocolate Factory. Kelly Slater and the Chocolate Factory. It's a take on Willy Wonka. Oh, I didn't catch that part. Willy- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for Golden- explaining that. So if you buy a Firewire surfboard, yeah. you scratch off the little scratchy off dealio yep. and if it's the golden ticket you're the one invited and it's you and kelly slater you you, you kelly's going to meet you at the gates of harris ranch rights he's going to have a top hat on right and um and a prince outfit and a, yeah no he'll be in tails coat a top hat and a prince outfit and he'll meet you there and you, he'll put a blindfold on you and you'll be taking into a room where you'll be told the rules no cameras if you screw up you're going to be, you know, ejected out of this situation. You're going to sit there and watch small green men rip the shred- shit out of this wave. They'll be like uh, Glenn Hall, Tom Carroll, uh, Pat O'Connell, they all, can't, all they in can't green. Be in over five foot five. No, they got to be yeah, five foot four and under, Oompa Loompa style shredding going on. You're going to be like watching it. this. This whole thing is. It's going to be incredible. It's Kelly Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You'll be able to shred the chocolate pool with Kelly and uh, 
what a great the golden ticket i mean this is the thing that every surfer in the world they want to be invited to this thing it's what a great ticket. opportunity for firewire to move tons of product i think this is the hottest ticket <clears throat> i just made all the Scott, the golden I've ticket. got a golden <laughs> ticket. I've got a golden ticket. I never thought that I would be slapping the lap of luxury because I'd have said it couldn't be done. Wow, I want it. Where can I buy the nearest Firewire surfboard? They're available everywhere. And um, the Slater design, Slater Designs model specifically. Yes. Or, or among those three models. Kelly Slater, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. Harris Rants writes, go. I like it. I just made all that up, by the way, in case Mark Price and Chewy Rayner are listening. Just my idea. I seriously think it's a good idea, though. I don't know if it's you buy a Firewire, but if if there's – it'd be better if it was a lower-end product, like yeah. Creatures of Leisure. Isn't he involved? No, he's in – Whatever his now community community pro- so buy a community project leash or yeah. something like that where it's like a twenty dollar item everyone would go and buy a leash oh yeah they would kill the leash market with that yeah or maybe it's fins through basically you're buying a twenty dollar raffle ticket you are you're buying a twenty dollar raffle ticket yeah. the golden ticket could be yours and wouldn't that be cool to see Kelly in a top hat and tails greeting you there and I a bunch of fantastic. green oompa loompa style you know Tom Carroll and Pat O'Connor who else is small. <laughs> Lewis Samuels. We you, could get a named, bunch of you people. Named them all. Um, I, I mean, I think arguably one of the best ideas you've ever had, actually. It's a You're pretty on good one. I mean, it's not really mine. I sort of stole it from oh, okay. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but it's all a right. good one. Yeah, like, it's a great They idea. should do it. They should, they do, should it. do this. By the way, have you seen anybody riding Kelly Slater designs at your local beaches? No, but I was down at Bird's Surf Shop, and he says he's selling a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, the I, Stewie Kennedy model one. The sci-fi. Yeah, the sci-fi apparently is doing really well. I, I saw a guy paddling out on one the other day in Huntington. How did it go? Well, I didn't actually see him catch any waves. Um, I didn't have high hopes for him based on just Looking my, at my assessment of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I should have just asked him how he likes it. I want to ride one. I've been waiting. I think Chewy's got a... Um, a demo. Oh, okay. You know what? You'll be able to demo these yeah. at the boardroom show. Yeah. The Sunday morning of the boardroom show at 15th Street in Del Mar Firewire, I'll have all the boards down there for a demo morning. starts at 7 a.m. So you're going to want to get down there yeah. Sunday, May 15th, 15th Street in Del Mar for the boardroom demo, surfboard demo. Well, and Firewire will be there. Um, we got to vacate the room in about 10 minutes. Oh. So do you, you want to prioritize your last 10 minutes of the show? Yeah, well, I want to tell everyone also about Sunday at the boardroom show. Go for it. The vintage surfboard swap happens only on Sunday. I want to make sure that's clear because I know there'll be people that will show up Saturday. But the vintage surf swap is only on Sunday of the two-day event at the boardroom show. And you, you can bring two boards. It's a vintage swap to so bring pre-1995, pre-2000 surfboards and um, bring a towel or a mat, something to lay your boards down on. You can only bring two in. And um, be a part of the swap. There's no cash change. Oh, uh, you got to buy. You've got to buy a ticket to get into the show. Sure, but you yeah, can't you can't just go buy a board. You got to swap. No, you can do whatever you want. You oh, can okay. swap. You can you can just look. You can so buy. People who are bringing their boards, they can buy or sell and or come swap. up with a price for what they want for theirs. Rather, yeah. than... Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> let's. I've, I've quick, got a must see moment. Well, real quickly. Do you want to talk about the, the boardroom show? The, the big wave awards did take oh, place since our right. last show, and you basically called I know, every single all one. of them. I know. Shane Thank won you. overall performance and ride of the year. Aaron Gold won paddle of the year. 
Yuri Soledad won Biggest Wave. Kiala Kenley won the Barrel of the Year. Nicolo Porcello won the Wipeout of the Year. That guy went on and on. I watched some of it. It was unwatchable, as all of these award shows are. It's yeah. not the WSL's fault. It's just the nature of award shows. Nobody wants to hear these people drone on and on. But you have to do them. You yep. have to sit there and listen. And But Nick, that guy went on and on and on. Yeah. I guess Greg Knoll was the highlight, right? Well, well, Or the low light, depending on how you look at it. And we discussed female big wave surfers in our previous show and we're at a loss to name some of them um andrea moeller was a name that we didn't come up with but she actually won the performance of the year for the women so i thought um we should give a shout out to her as well so what do you got for the uh must-see moment then my must-see moment is real life red bull's been putting out these or I don't know if they've been putting out a bunch, but I saw one and I posted it on my website. Ben Wheland did this um, really neat um, three-minute clip on basically surfing up in Alaska. Oh. And I know we've seen these before, but I mean, these guy, this guy, there's a handful of really good cinematographers. I mean, that's kind of what they are. I know they're yeah. working in video and not film, but some of them are probably working in film. But anyway, Ben Wheland's real life, and it's pretty fascinating look at surfing um, sort of you know the exact opposite of a wave pool just way out in the in the uh, nether region of the world you know where it's just cold and beautiful and scenic and um is there any rugged. good surfing in it yeah there's really good surfing and there's some really good waves and it makes you go holy crap hmm. you know if there's waves like that now these guys are head to toe full suited up but as uh, a hardcore surfer if you had to relocate there for some reason would you continue surfing I, I, I'm not sure because as I get older, it's harder for me to surf in cold situations. When I was 20, yeah, I, yeah. I could do that. Um, I question it among of myself as well. I would need to see what it's like to surf in that much wetsuit. Yeah, you know, with gloves, all of that stuff has to be just right. And really, the key to surfing in cold situations is you have to enter the the cold situation really, really warm. And you have to leave the cold situation and get warm really quick. So if I go into the situation sweating, I'm good, you know, and then I'll be warm and I'll be hot for the session. And then when I get out, I need to get into a hot tub. So a lot of it's about the pre and post um, getting ready for this surf. You're a delicate little flower. I am. I am. I am. Uh, yes, Constant I am. coddling. I guess I do. Easier, softer way. You need me to way. stroke your ego all the time, tell I, you that a, you're doing a good a job fra- at life. It's a fragile deal, it's the whole sad. thing. It's sad. It's kind of sad, actually. It's, uh, yeah. So my must-see moment is um, the time-lapse footage that Surfline posted of the whale washing ashore at lower trestles. Yes. Holy cow. Um, this was covered in tons of media outlets outside of surfing, but basically 40-foot whale, 60,000-pound carcass – washed ashore at lowers and not down the beach from lowers not 50 yards like it's at lowers no, you couldn't straight couldn't have put it in a better place or, or worse place. worse place so by this, the way lowers is pumping today and it's packed the whale is gone and nobody gives a crap about yeah. any of the sharks or anything well the, i think there will be some potential shark situation I saw somebody posted an instagram of a sea lion or a seal washed up on the beach with a big chunk shredded yeah. but that was i heard from that 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 was not at lowers and somebody was trying to uh, continue okay. the fear to keep people out of the water yeah. so they could shred um well at any rate the professionals marine biologists and stuff said 
you can surf out there as soon as the whale's gone. Basically, just exercise caution. There will be more shark activity, but exercise well, caution. Those guys are setting um, themselves one, up to be sued. Specifically, he said it was Justin um, Weisbick or Wiesbick, mm-hmm. uh said once the whale is off the beach, I would feel very comfortable about going back out there. Just keep an eye on the conditions. Every time you go to the beach, you evaluate what's going on. If you drive to your spot and there's a dead whale washed on shore, I would definitely think twice. But once it's off the beach, you're all good. There is a bit of whale oil in the lineup still. There's a funky smell. That's a problem. Yeah. That's going to create some sharks. But basically, um, they the appropriate... I don't know who the appropriate bodies are that come and um, get rid of the whale, but they came in one day dismantled the whale basically cut it into pieces hauled it off to a landfill landfill in san diego scott's hometown do you um you're surfing lowers do you feel safer in the middle of the pack or on the fringes of the pack safer from a great white attack or a shark attack i would think the middle of the pack would be safer wrong i know you do know that. No, sharks, well, I, I had assumed that if you asked the question. the middle of a pack in case they miss their first, they can turn and get one of the others. They will rarely get a straggler on the outer ends. They always go into the middle of the fish um, bowl, uh, okay. boil because, like I said, well, there's, there's more chances to get prey if you attack the middle. I also remember pack. hearing that they usually attack closer to shore. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, people think like the farther out, the more at risk you are. It's the opposite. I wonder why that is. I think it has to do with like, is that statistic the animal, based? Yeah, but I think it had to do with the animal being wounded. Like they think that you know um, when you're at shore, you're you're yeah, wounded. Like the the whale is going to beach itself, so it's headed towards the shore, or the seal is, or oh, whatever. Right, and that right. they're just going to go. Oh, that's interesting. Go grab that one because it's easy bait. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's my must-see moment, the time-lapse. Surfline, basically, when this happened, then went back and pulled the cam footage and made a time-lapse out of it. And you watch this whale just rolling in over the course of a day. Do you have a conspiracy theory about why the Surfline lowers cam went down during during the whale carcass situation? No, I didn't know that it did. Yeah, I noticed that it was down for a while. Well, people, families went down to the beach to watch it be removed. And the people said, like, hey, be aware there's no good way to do this. We just cut this thing into pieces and throw it into a dump truck, basically. <laughs> um, but kids are interested in that stuff, and they want to see the sheer size of the thing. You know, A guy, a friend of mine, well, not a friend, but a, a listener came up to me the other day, heard, me, heard my voice. This is different than the oh, okay. last time we met. Um, Marcus, his name was Marcus. He said, hey, I heard you talking to this guy over here. I overheard you. I just, I, you you're the guy... That, that does the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much. Been listening to it for years. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have a Duke and a Coop? That guy, Marcus, is my Duke Kanamoku. Okay. Well, I hate to rush through these, but we do have to to vacate the room. Um, My Duke is Dave Barney Miller, who has a new film coming out called You and Me, which charts his life as an aspiring pro surfer in Australia before a near-fatal car accident that left him quadriplegic. The recovery and the love story that transpires in the midst of it all um, is really interesting and profound, but it's not all roses. He's had a really rough path and dealt with um, substance abuse, alcoholism, and then through that met this girl who's really stood by his side as a quadriplegic. Like They met after he had the accident, and... um, Anyways, cool. 
This guy, Mick Fanning's been really involved in this guy's life because Mick Fanning lost a brother to a car accident in a very similar situation. His brother, Sean, was an aspiring pro surfer when it happened. So this documentary takes place over the course of four and a half years. They're premiering it in, through a tour in Australia right now. And uh, it looks amazing. I haven't seen it. I just watched the trailer and it looks great. But um, the story is heartwarming. So that's my Duke. Barney Miller, whose goal it is to walk again. Cool. Good for Barney. My kook was submitted by a listener, Russell Thorne. Uh, seaweed, Magic Seaweed did an article. Donald Trump wants to build a 200-ton rock wall in Ireland that would destroy a picturesque beach and surf spot to save his multi-million pound golf resort. Basically, <laughs> he's worried about coastal erosion. There's a surf spot there. His golf course is right on the coast. And so what he wants to do is build this $10 million, 200,000 uh, ton rock wall to prevent the coastal erosion. Everybody else, of course, is saying... Uh, it's an erosional coastline. How and about this retreat? Is a, this is an important of- picturesque surf line. And yeah, retreat because he actually owns enough land to move the golf course yeah, that's what he needs inland do. more. That's what he needs so, to do. Um, that's what's going on. I hate to rush through these, but again, we have to. But I'll post links to this article on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And thank you, Russell Thorne, for submitting that. A couple of things. Um, NHL playoffs are happening. I love watching the NHL playoffs, man. So um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals are in a heated uh, round two series right now. The boardroom show is happening in less than two weeks, May 14th and 15th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. The Icons of Foam Tribute to the Master Shape Off honoring Jerry Lopez is featuring Pat Rawson, Ryan Lovelace, Ryan Birch, Roger Hines, Ron House, and Ward Coffee. They're going to compete, try to replicate a classic Lopez surfboard. We've also got another shaping bay with Young Guns of Shaping. 15-year-old Zach Flores is featured there. That kid's amazing. You can learn how to shape at this show. There's DIY classes, how-to classes. There's insightful seminars. Surfer Magazine is producing a thing called the Surfer Talks presented by Millennium Foam. There's a whole seminar um, discussion on Kelly Slater's wave pool. There's one on the WSL and the future of pro surfing. There's one on El Nino, its effects, what it means to big wave surfing. And there's one on, well, there's a conversation with Jerry Lopez, a Q&A with Jerry himself. And, and dozens and dozens and dozens of exhibitors. Well, yeah, hundreds, that are all, yeah, hundreds of surfboards, state of the art surfboards. All the name brand, everything that everybody knows. Yeah, top by manufacturers. Uh, Best in Show by Bubblegum Surf Wax. So Big Wave Guns are going to be represented. There's Revchem is doing a bunch of really great laminating demonstrations. There's guitars, ukuleles, food, beer. Um, I'm sure I've missed something. The Grass is Always Greeno, another seminar about George Greeno. Lot going on, boardroomshow.com for tickets and information or to listen to the show, you can simply go there. And Scott and I will be there. That's right. Come up and say hi. That's right. Come say hi. Yeah, and shout out to the Serving Heritage and Culture Center for letting us use this space. Absolutely. Servingheritage.org. Until next time, adios and aloha. Something happened on the day he died. Spirit rose and meet up and stepped aside. Somebody else took his place and bravely cried. I'm a black Yeah, so hopefully you'll make it to the boardroom show. I know we have um, listeners that are actually flying into the event. Really, really a cool thing. Um, it's unfortunate that the boardroom show doesn't exist 
all around the world at different locations because it is a really cool event and we're grateful to have it here in Southern California. And of course, it is Scott Bass's event that he owns and hosts and all that sort of thing and runs. So he and I will be there with name tags on. If you see somebody with our names in a lanyard around their neck, uh, introduce yourself. Say hi. It's always a really rad thing to chat with people who, um, you know, listen to the show and that it's kind of funny. I've had this conversation with people um, who introduce themselves and they're like, oh, it's weird. I feel like uh, I already know you, but... You know, obviously, I'm just listening to you. You don't know anything about me, but we hit the ground running because we have so much common interest, you know, and we can talk about the things that I like to talk about and that apparently they like to talk about, too. So even though I haven't met people prior, we dive straight into uh, friendship or just engagement that feels very comfortable, like with somebody who you would have known for a long period of time. So I think it's a really cool dynamic. And Anyway, it'll be great to meet you if you're there. If you're not, boardroomshow.com has some of the information, and he'll document it. You'll see videos and photos on Surfline. Everybody covers it. So, All right, that's coming up May 14th and May 15th. Enough about the Boardroom Show. Rate and review Surf Splendor in iTunes or wherever, whatever podcasting app you listen in. If you rate and review the show, it helps uh, our other people to find the show. It helps with our ranking, basically, and searchability. So you guys have done a great job with that. I think we have like 80-something ratings and, I don't know, 50 or 60 reviews. And for the vast majority, I mean, there's only one or two that aren't five stars, so the vast majority are positive. Grateful for that. And um, just share the show with friends. We always ask that you help the show grow in that respect. All right? You've heard enough of me for today, so I will give you a break and let you know that we'll be back in two weeks but until then i encourage you get out in the ocean catch a couple waves and shred on